I want you to turn to 2 Kings today. As we talked in the intro, we talked about the word success. And, you know, I've, I've done a study on success because, you know, that was in the 80s and 90s. The word success was a big deal. There were movies, Secret to My Success. All this stuff was about success. And people started correlating success in your faith, success in being a Christian, success. And, and I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I felt like a failure. Anybody ever feel like a failure in their Christian life? Anybody ever feel like you don't add up, you're not enough, you don't do it right? I, I, I feel that way. And still from those days in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I, I have some of that stuff still that creep up and tell me that I'm not good enough. And they're called lies from Satan, by the way. Go ahead and identify them what they are. And it's not true. God has a different definition of success. What is success to God may not be success to the world. You have to decide whose definition of success you want for your life. Anybody remember the band Petra? No, that wasn't encouraging enough for me. Does anybody remember the band Petra? Okay. Now, it, now, if you listen to Petra today and you're used to music today, you're probably going to think that's some weird old music, okay? But for me, at my first concert, real concert, at Millsaps College, seeing Petra at like 11 or 12 years old, and I was up there with all these old, cool, you know, high school kids and stuff, that was like, it was a monumental moment for me. And I still say Greg Exvolts is one of the best singers there ever was, and just amazing, and so... I'm, I'm cutting grass yesterday, and I'm listening to More Power To You, okay? Now, you may not have a clue what I'm talking about, but at the end, they go, they, they, now this is the difference between today, well, they do it today too, but man, they just, it's just singing scripture, you know? And I love rock music, and, and it was singing scripture to rock music, and um, when they say, I just want to please him, I just want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. What, what, what else is there? Well, if that's not success, tell me what is success. And I'm going, sign me up for that. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to, I want to be in that more than anything else. I don't need riches. I don't need fame. I don't need stuff. Although if I'm completely candid, those are sometimes the things that I strive for. If I'm completely candid... I've probably got way too much stuff. But I really want to hear those words one day from my Savior, my Lord, Jesus. Today, we're going to look at the Old Testament and we're going to study Hezekiah. So, Turn in your Bible to Hezekiah chapter 18. That was a joke. I'm just, like some of y'all are turning like, where's that at? Keep turning. You'll find it. It's not there. I'm kidding. Sorry. I, I, could, I couldn't, you know, not do that, right? Um, <laughs> y'all didn't think that was funny. See? 
<laughs> How about 2 Kings? Okay. 2 Kings talks about a lot of those kings like him. And, and we're going we're gonna to go that route. So 2 Kings 18, <clears throat> 1 through 7a today. If one thing that I hope that, you know, I do every week, and we said this before, I want to preach God's word, right? I want us to open in the Bible. I want to study and maybe something you've not studied before. And today we're going to talk about Hezekiah. Everybody say Hezekiah. Okay, just, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. You know, we're studying chronologically. And by the way, if you're a guest with us today, we're so glad that you're here. We're honored that you have chosen to be with us today. We believe God brought you here. And he wants you to hear this story about Hezekiah too. And so uh, we've been studying the Bible chronologically all year long. And, and, and we're right here in the summertime. Um, we're now... We're not in Psalm because of the way your Bible's probably laid out. It's actually a chronological study. And right now, we're in this part of 2 Kings. And it'll jump around and all those sort of things. And actually, you know, it's interesting about doing a chronological study. You don't get to Jesus until like late October. It's really interesting. And, and then the New Testament just flies by at the end of the year. There's so much that God wants to say to us in the Old Testament as how to live in obedience and in accordance with God. We need to listen to this stuff. We need to learn this stuff. So the title of today is Success, Successful in Everything You Do. Who wants to be that? Let me see your hands. Anybody want to like, no, I don't want to be successful. Nobody would say that, right? You want success in your life. Well, I'm just going to tell you that literally because of God's word, there is a roadmap to success right here that God gives us. So let's read this scripture. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hoshea's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made, because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word, because my words could never come up or add up or make sense like yours do. And thank you for allowing us to study your word today. Thank you for this message of Hezekiah and his life that we can emulate to be successful in everything that we do. And we know that our success is truly what pleases you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Note in my prayer, I just said, our success is what pleases God. 
So I just redefined the word success for you, didn't I? Did you pay attention to that? Because the definition for most of us in the world today, success is like an athlete, bigger, stronger, faster. More money, bigger house, faster cars, whatever it is. The thing is, we have to redefine what success is. It's to bring joy to the Lord. We'll look in a little bit and we'll see that we are literally to smell good to God. Anybody ever had teenage boys? It's a gift. Guys, if you're in the room and you're a teenage boy, there's this moment where you're not going to smell good all of a sudden. And it's going to linger. And it's going to go days. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if you'll take a bath every once in a while, if you take a shower once a week, it's going to help. Okay? Look, we don't want to stink to God, do we? We want to smell good to God. We want to be successful in everything we do. So the scripture says right here, number one, in verse three, get down to verse three. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. First of all, we need to do a little historical background here, and I'm going to make this as short and sweet as I can. Israel, if you're not paying attention, was doing terrible things. Like they were disobeying God left and right, still wanting all the blessings, all the pleasures, all the things, but not doing anything the way that God wanted them done. They were living like they were in freedom, but they were just looking back at God and saying thanks, but no thanks. And I don't know if y'all realize that God, remember we talked about the justice of God last week? The justice of God is real. And at some point, God cuts it off, says no. We know what happens at the end of the story, right? There will be those that hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It won't be because you were good enough, by the way. It'll be because you have the blood of Christ covering you. But there will be those that do not have the blood of Christ and they will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And that is a painful reality for even people that are churchgoers that have just gotten into a religion of doing things right and wrong and checking off the list. It's more than that. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's following Him. It says that He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight just as His ancestor David had done. That is important to realize that His ancestor was David. Now a lot of times when you think David, you think of big sin. Right? Do me a favor. If you don't have big sin in your life right now, just somebody just raise their hand that you never had big sin in your life. Nobody. So don't just think David in big sin. Because you're missing the point of, you ready? Redemption. Amen? David was redeemed and did amazing things for God. Said he had a heart like God wanted. A man after God's own heart. 
This was Hezekiah's ancestor. Then look on the other side of Hezekiah, and you see some amazing things too. His mother was Abijab. Say that. That's a fun word. Abijab. Abijah. You know, whatever. Yeah, just have fun with that one. You know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like an earth, wind, and fire song. You know, just a disco song. Abijab. You know, whatever. Have a good time. His mother was the daughter of Zechariah, who was a prophet for God. So you've got David on one side and Zechariah on the other side. The point of that is Hezekiah was raised knowing right from wrong. He was raised knowing God's truth and the world's truth. He knew how he was supposed to live, even though his role models were all doing their own thing Turning away from God, Hezekiah was pleasing in the Lord's sight. The world was going a different way, and Hezekiah said, I'm going God's way. That needs to be our way. Hezekiah was raised to know right and wrong. Zechariah was his grandfather. David was an ancestor on his father's side. At some point in our maturity, we have to decide to please the Lord no matter how we were raised. Y'all look. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I've heard it for everything that you could possibly think of. That somebody will look back at me. Particularly if you're older than 40 years old. Well that's just the way I was raised. Okay. Alright I'm going to make it as plain as I can. You ready? Don you ready? You look at God. On the judgment day, and that be your answer. Good luck with that. Okay? Okay, God, the ruler of all life, the creator of the world, I was raised that way. Good luck with that. Y'all, that's not the thing. The thing is that you have to submit yourself to the Lord. You have to change your way. Somebody say change. Oh, we love that word, don't we? We love change. It's so fun. Sign us up, Lord. Y'all look, I'm going to tell you something. This may be the most profound thing that I'm going to say today. Growth does not occur without change. We've got to be pleasing in the Lord's sight. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 2, 15-16 says. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Some of y'all are not tracking with me on what version I'm reading right now. Remember this year I'm trying to read through the New Living Translation. And I thought that was a neat translation of that passage of Scripture. You know it as that we're going to be a fragrant aroma to God. And that others will either, will either smell good to them because they love God. Or that will smell bad to them because they don't love God. But the simple idea is that we have a Christ-like fragrance in our life. What an incredible picture there. 
So what did Hezekiah do to please the Lord? How can you and I be successful in everything we do? The next thing, the first thing is this. Remove the idols in your life. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Neheshton. Much of our struggle in life, much of our struggle in disobedience is that we have idols in our life. We are practicing idolatry. You may be sitting there literally when you heard me say that and go, not me. I'm not. I don't have any little Buddha things in my yard. I don't have any uh, a little, little gnomes out there that I'm, you know, whatever. Or my, my gnomes are just the Bama kinds, you know, or the Auburn Tiger ones. They're all good. I'm not talking about that, folks. I'm talking about the idols, meaning anything you put before God. So how do we know? How do we know if it's before God? Do you put yourself in a financial pickle because of the things you want and desire? Or do you trust God with it? Does it cost you more than you want to pay? Seriously. Just take that issue. Are you buying stuff that's extravagant and then you come home and say, well, I can't tithe this month? That's called reverse. It's in reverse. The Lord tells us over and over, it's first fruits of our life that He desires. He wants the best. He wants to know who God is in our lives. We can't have idols in our life. It could be your television shows. Anybody have a Nana that had stories? My stories, you know. My shows. My soaps, whatever they are. And you, you put, you know, your calendar is whatever your stories are. And, and people can't come in your den while you're watching your stories. You know. Am I making this stuff up? Is, is my folks the only folks that did this? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's real. Look, there are things in our life that we set up as idols and we don't even know we're doing it. We've got to pay close attention to the things. It's like this. Say that you have, if you can just imagine and put a picture, put a throne in your life. And on that throne is who? Help me out. Who should it be? Thank you. You're so smart. Jesus is on the throne of your life because you're a follower of Him. But what happens, and this is, the, this is just kind of the, the, the case in point, that where the rubber meets the road with idolatry. We literally go in and we take Jesus off the throne and we put him somewhere out there in the circle of our life, or maybe even sometimes outside the circle, and we put whatever it is on that throne. Most of the time, it's just us. Most of the time, it's just you and it's just me and we put ourselves on the throne. Whatever it is that we need, <coughs> whatever it is that we want, we put ourselves there. What's a remedy for idolatry? Cut it out of your life. That's number one. 
what he did. He just cut the poles down. He just got rid of them. He just, you know, threw it all away. Another thing you can do, and you can practice, this is a spiritual discipline. You can fast. I mentioned Petra earlier. When I was growing up, I loved music so much. I can't even explain it to you. I loved music so much, and I loved it loud, and I loved it all the time. It, it was definitely, there were moments where I was confused about who my God was. Well, I got to the point where, okay, I'm not going to listen to any secular music, right? I might have even tragically burnt some, you know, vinyl out there. Because I went to that revival, right? It's true. And I put all the secular stuff away. And I started Whiteheart, Petra, Striper, all this good Christian rock. You know what I realized? It had become an idol too. Because I was more interested in listening to that than I was to reading God's Word. I was more interested in my music and showing everybody how great these bands were and they were still Christians. But I wasn't leading anybody to Christ. And I was at Super Summer, which is where our students are going this year, as an 11th or 12th grade student at that time. And God said, put all your music away. Jeff, that was hard. That was really hard. But I did it for a season. And God allowed me to bring some of that back in, of course. But there are times now when I'm driving... I mean, I, there are witnesses in this room that have seen me beating my dashboard like a drum set. I know. We've talked about it. But there are times where I just hit that power button. And it's just quiet. And I just say, God, just speak to me. Or God, you're just so awesome. Just a time of worship. Just a time of praise. Because I don't want idols to come in front of my God. I don't want anything to become more important than Jesus Christ and my love for Him. In verse 5, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. Trust in the Lord and you will leave a legacy. Trust in the Lord. We must trust in the Lord. It's like this. Your brain has these, um, these, these interceptors and all these synapses and things that happen. It's it let electrical shockwave, like shh, shh, things happening in your brain. It's pretty awesome. And, and what happens is we start to go down these paths. And these paths that we make become, um, long story short, they become super highways. Like what might have taken you a short time to get somewhere, it's instantaneously. So what happens is we build step by step a pattern of sin in our life based on that, or we develop a well-worn path to trusting God. Whenever the doubt arises, whenever the stuff comes in and you get to go, I'm not so... Instead of that, you practice, okay, I'm going to keep my eyes on God. I'm going to trust God in this. And you practice, and all of a sudden, these well-worn paths the Holy Spirit begins to lay concrete on them. 
And they're a little easier to get by on. And then, and then all of a sudden, there are these superhighways of you just trusting God with everything that happens. You don't even have to think about it anymore. You just trust God with everything. That's how we need to live. That's being successful. Ricky prayed just a minute ago that we'd remain faithful. Trust in the Lord is our key to remaining faithful to God. So, point number four, we need to stay faithful to the Lord. We're faithful in the good and the bad days. Now, I know none of y'all have bad days, right? All right, well, do me a favor, just so I know I'm not alone. If any of you have ever had a bad day, let me see your hand. Oh, a few more of you than I thought. No, I'm kidding. Of course, we have good and bad days. We're supposed to praise God in the good and the bad. We're supposed to remain faithful in the good and the bad. We don't love the Lord any more or less based on our feelings. Or do we? Let's get real. This is an issue. Remaining faithful sometimes does matter if we're having a good or bad day. Should it? No. How do we get to the point where even in the bad days, we remain faithful? I wish I had an easy fix for you. The thing I would tell you is this. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Corinthians tells us this, that if you fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, that that's eternal. It lasts forever. But if you fix your eyes on what is, uh, what is seen, what you're trusting in at the moment, that's temporary. It's going to go away. So trust in Jesus. Trust in the Lord. Put your whole trust in Him, and that's how you remain faithful. Does anybody have a bucket list? Like, I want to go do this before I go to heaven. I have one, I have one thing I want to do. I want to go see Old Faithful. I want to go out west. I want to go to these... These big, you know, uh, Yellowstones, Mount Rushmore's and all. I'm going to go all there, do all that kind of trek. Maybe take a couple weeks and just go do all that fun stuff. But they say that Old Faithful is Old Faithful for one reason. It's faithful. It's going to do what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it. It's going to go real high. It's going to do its thing. Don't you want to be faithful in your life? Don't you want to do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do, because your eyes are fixed on Jesus? Stay faithful to the Lord. And then finally, you want to be successful in everything you do. Boy, this is it, y'all. This is like the theme of the Scripture so far. You ready? And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Obey the Lord. When God leads you to do something, and obedience is the next step, are you running to it? Are you running away from it? Are you willing to obey God whatever it costs? You know it'll cost things. You've even written about them in your journal. 
You've thought through them. Do you want to be successful? Or do you want to be safe? Do you want to just stay where you are and life's all good and everything's fine? Or do you want to be obedient to God? And go where He calls you and do what He's calling you to do? Say what He's calling you to say to who He's calling you to say it to? You're the only one that can answer the obedience issue. But the real secret of the success for a follower of Christ is if you are going to be obedient to Him or not. And He carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with Him and Hezekiah was successful in everything He did. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, God, today in this room, there are many folks that you're speaking to, that you're challenging, that you're giving a message, and you're asking them to obey. They're asking them to remain faithful, to trust in you. Lord, sometimes in our questioning and praying with you, we ask these questions and you whisper, trust me. We ask these questions and you say, remain faithful, press on. And you clearly tell us in your word to obey you. And that's what success is. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for loving us so much that you give it to us so plainly. In Jesus' name, amen.